Hello and welcome to another Trino Community Broadcast, episode 42. This is the answer to the question about life, the universe and everything. Oh, no, sorry. This is the recap <laughs> <laughs> for last week, which what happened last week, everyone? Trino Summit. <laughs> yeah. And... Oh, okay. Yeah, well, <laughs> we were going to get to that. I guess we, I guess that was the big reveal. We're spilling the beans. <laughs> yes, yeah, they all are. So thanks, everyone, for joining us. We are going to focus on what happened last week in San Francisco and online um, and share with you all what happened. And also, we are promising that you will not be excluded a next time and also that we will bring up all the videos and everything for you all to catch up on whatever you missed last week so let's roll right into it brian yeah totally uh real quick uh cole can you queue up a couple of the release notes because i would like to talk about those but uh while you're doing that uh i wanted to make this the, the official uh announce or not announcement but uh showcasing of uh the intro video that we played at trino summit so if you if you missed it uh this was the um the intro video that we had um at uh, the very beginning of the conference, just to kind of kick things off here for today. I want to be the very best, like no query engine ever was. To read data is my real test, training models is my cause. I have traveled across the network, scanning bits and bytes. Each catalog the Trino has brings power to the seal Okay, so a, a, a question that I've frequently gotten uh, after that that video went up is, what what is that the old O'Reilly book? Uh, and so I've had this book like done like this ever since we did the rebrand, actually. And I wasn't, I didn't actually think about it. I was just like, oh, I don't have any other Trino like book to showcase. There you go. So you have a real one. Bring, bring this one up. What's that? Do you have a real one right there? Oh, I do actually. Now I have the real. Yeah, so just just for those of you who didn't miss on the way, but uh, yeah, I got I got the real one back at Trino Summit, and would you look at this? I actually got the uh, the of two of the people that are in here, including Matt Fuller, who's not on today. So uh, so there was a lot of fun we had at uh, at uh, you know Trino Summit, and um, you know you got a whole bunch of like uh, the Trino Definitive Guide, and now it doesn't say Presto all the time and make my ears burn <laughs> during the time I'm reading these. So and, and for those of you that are confused about Davidian, what this was all about, and why me and Brian are wearing these hats, the theme <laughs> was federating all sorts of data sources with Trino as a query engine similar to, and catching all the data in them, similar to how Ash Ketchum in the Pokemon uh, game and games in the world catches Pokemon. And that's also why we have this t-shirt and the hat. 
Yeah. So could you turn around real fast, Manfred? I don't know if you could show. So all of those are like different data sources that we have and we're catching all of them into little Pokeballs. And we talk about, you know, there's obviously like different types of Pokemon, like electric Pokemon. And you could also have types of catalogs, right? That are like data lake type or, or you know, object store catalogs, whatever have you. Or you could have, you know, no SQL type catalog. So there was a lot of ways that I stretched this analogy and beat it to death. But uh, I hope you all enjoyed that. I I mean, I, I wanted to kind of bring in a fun, nostalgic way to uh, kind of remember our, our childhood days of playing Pokemon while talking about this, you know, cool subject of, of what Trino can do. So I wanted to actually, you know, go around the room to everybody who is not in developer relations uh, on the Trino uh, room and basically just get your your perceptions of this. Because we didn't we tried to keep this relatively under wraps about like this whole theme uh, and not really talk to too many people about it. So uh, I'll start with uh, with you, Mark. Martin, like what was I, I don't know if you're a huge Pokemon fan or not, but like what was your impressions of, of the analogy and, and the whole theme to this? Yeah, I'm, actually, I'm actually not very familiar with Pokemon. It's a, <laughs> it's, a, it's a part of the popular culture that completely escaped me. So <laughs> <laughs> your kids not like did did uh um shoot I just forgot your son's name, but uh is your kids not even into it at all? No, they weren't they weren't into it. So <laughs> yeah. So but I mean you it look it, it, it was fun. I mean the, the the way you you guys put uh, put it all together it was uh, a a lot of fun. Just, so you've uh, never heard of Ash Ketchum before this? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Dane, are you? Are I'm, you... I, I'm from the era of He-Man and she <laughs> yeah. Transformers and uh, Voltron and you know stuff like that. So are we going to have uh, to do Transformers to talk about adaptive querying next time? Is that? <laughs> Maybe we I don't do know. That. We should do that. I mean, I, 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 I would say the world breaks into like pre and post Captain Planet. <laughs> I, I know Captain Planet. I played the NES game on uh, uh, Captain Planet nonstop when I was a kid, but I still know Pokemon. I don't know. It's it's one of those weird. I'm I'm in that weird like just at the end of the uh, or at the very beginning, I guess you would say of of like millennials. So, um, but anyways, Claudius. How about you? Did you did it, did the Pokemon theme resonate with any with, like with anybody on this call other than me and Cole? I, I mean, I think I've I've heard more about Pokemon from my kids than <laughs> than Dan or Martinez. That's what I, I kind I, of hoped is if like you weren't one of the like if you weren't a millennial that grew up with Pokemon that like it was it was going to be through your kids. Like Manfred was the perfect uh, person for that because like Manfred, your your kids got you into Pokemon, right? Well, we sort of did it together, and I remember sometimes we like on Halloween instead of going Halloween candy collecting, we'll go Pokemon Go and candy collecting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but nowadays I'm the only one that still like you know fires up the game now, and then the boys all feel themselves as being too old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, and Brian, uh, you're the last you're the last one on here that's not Endeavor. Like, did you did you uh, find this like theme apply to you or get or or, or touch any of your nostalgic roots? Yeah, I mean it. It's been a long time since I saw Pokemon, so it was like actually just like very nostalgic and like fun. Nice. I still remember the time you knocked over someone's like coffee cup. <laughs> yeah so that's another thing we did uh while we were there is i was throwing these little like uh these were supposed to be pokeballs by the way but uh i okay i i, I made a, a small are we gonna be honest at, 
I made a small fib at the uh, at the um, Trino Summit. I said that we didn't want to get sued. Actually, what happened is the people that were making these balls at the factory actually got COVID. There's like a mass COVID thing. And so they weren't able to actually provide the Pokeball uh, aesthetic that we wanted to for these. But anyways, they're still red balls. They have the uh, the Trino logo on them. And so... So so we we started throwing these out kind of like you know Ash Ketchum does to catch Pokemon and stuff and I was doing that in between uh, all of the of the different breaks that we had um and this was partially to keep people awake and you know alert and I apparently spilled some people's coffee and uh <laughs> grabbed a couple people in the head uh a time or two but luckily they're very soft so so nobody was totally harmed as far as I know um we didn't have to send so anybody the- to the hospital the stereotype stands engineers can't throw and they can't catch either. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty clear. <laughs> I used to, I had a couple I used to good throws. pitcher in baseball, Dane. Come on. <laughs> you should have been up there. Well, no, that would have probably been I was stuck in the back of the room running a little bit. So. Yeah. By the way, yeah. So if, if you, and all, another thing you you all that were at home didn't get to see was was Cole in a pink blazer. It was hot pink. <laughs> there it was, it there was, will be photos at some point. Well, but, I mean, come on. Like, I mean, like as cool as Cole is in a pink blazer, the real thing you missed is saying hi and taking a photo with Commander Banban. Yes. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. I can't compete. Yeah. So in a I mean, space suit as well, right? Like yeah. So- we 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 didn't we were thinking kind of between should we make Commander Banban Ash Ketchum or go with the traditional kind of spacesuit setup that you see on everybody's background here, and and we decided to go spacesuit, but. Uh, but yeah, we, we had a lot of people taking like uh, pictures and stuff like that. So yeah, definitely next time if you're there. I mean, we're we're pretty much thinking the the bunny was uh, in person bunny was was a huge hit. So we're definitely gonna have Commander Bun Bun flying out to more Trino summits. That's for sure. I also have to say, as a as a connoisseur of dad jokes, I very much appreciated Monica's uh, Federation demo and yes. her choice of. Pokemon Go as the Pokemon name Go. for the Mongo catalog. It was terrible, and I'm totally stealing it. I, I need to. I need to pause there for like. There's so you know MongoDB. If anybody who is not familiar, like that is one of the data sources that we connect to, and. There's also, you know, the the game, video game, Pokemon Go. So, you know, when she put out a the the demo for this, she called her her Mongo instance Pokemon Go. <laughs> it just worked. I, I mean, it just flows so well off the tongue, and it it fits so, super well. So, uh, good on her for that one. That was that was legit. Um, and then what was the other? There was another. Uh, oh, actually, I don't think it was quite as uh, as interesting, but there was like a Pokedex one. Well, Monica showed off Trino in the cloud with Starburst Galaxy, and that was super impressive. What else was there that you guys thought was pretty impressive? Like, I know there were a whole lot of talks from, like, big wigs like Apple and Bloomberg and others where I thought some trends were clearly visible. Can you share some of those? That What, what you thought? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think you spend five seconds looking at any part of the Trino conference and it gets really obvious that people are shifting very heavily to modern table formats. Yeah. So we heard a lot about Iceberg just all over the place. Um, we also found out at the, uh, uh, we, we not found out, but we also finally got word that uh, Databricks is now contributing uh, a test environment. So that's going to help us a lot too, to make sure that our Delta Lake connector works well, not just in in a standalone mode, but you know plays well with other tools that you might be using. And we heard a lot of interest in 
even the little bit that we started uh, uh, delivering in materialized views, yeah, that there's a lot of interest in getting more of that. So we're looking at that very closely, and we of course invite everyone to just you know let us know what your thoughts are. We're on Slack, and we're very interested to hear more about what people are doing and what more they need. Yeah, yeah, and also remember, we like just in the last episode we announced the new hoodie connector, and there's a lot of innovation going on there. So like. We actually like full on have support for the trifecta of the lake house stuff, plus more with Hive and everything else. So it's pretty good. Yeah. One of the, uh, another thing to beat analogies to death, uh, there's, um, you know, this thing concept in, in, uh, uh, the whole Pokemon theme called evolution where one, you know, Pokemon evolves into a, you know, stronger, bigger Pokemon. And, uh, one of the analogies that you saw in the video is that, you know, hive evolving into iceberg, but hive is kind of like, uh, this Pokemon called Eevee where it can actually evolve into one of three Pokemon. And so in this particular <laughs> case, uh, you know, uh, hive is kind of like Eevee. And then, uh, you could see like, uh, you know, the, the Vaporeon being like, uh, iceberg, uh, let's say the Jolteon being the, uh, hoodie connector and then the uh delta lake being the uh, flareon connector or something <laughs> like that so i uh it's one of those three if you're on hive still you know we we generally have seen people are in general like kind of moving towards uh you know going to one of these three and uh and it's it really interesting to see kind of the overlap and interoperability that people are desiring from that um not just between the table formats but also the you know interoperability between like these data lake formats, um, I don't know if the data lake formats, object storage formats, whatever you want to call them, and like other uh, uh, other connectors. And one of the ones I'm really excited about uh, that kind of overlap that's super popular these days is uh, the Snowflake connector. We had some discussions brought up during the Trino uh, contributor congregation that uh, resurrected this again. Um, and, uh, and so this came from uh, Bloomberg. Um, and they, uh, they're the big thing that had kind of held snowflake connectors back in the past was like the lack of testing infrastructure, just like we were just talking about now that Denny and, and crew from the Databricks side of the community, they are, uh, you know, kind of giving us some, some testing infrastructure to work with, to va validate, um, you know, do some testing on, on, uh, data, uh, sorry, Delta Lake, um, we are also getting this from a snowflake connector. So that's pretty exciting uh, to see, you know, and it's not guaranteed yet or anything like that, but this was just some of the talks that, you know, that this is going to be uh, coming out here in a, in a short while. So Brian, you're nearly falling off the screen. What blew you away at the summit? <laughs> Brian Zan, I think you're talking. Yes. To, right? yes. Uh, the three that were like big highlights for me. <clears throat> I feel like um, when I attend data summits, um, a lot of times you get a lot of like uh, more generic talks, but what I really liked about these talks was that they were really for like data practitioners, like really teaching you how to take pre-node to the fullest. So I think that the, to this end, like, I mean, honestly, like all the talks like were really, really good. Um, but I'd say like highlights for me personally, I think Lyft did a really good job of really describing through um, like what, uh, like how do you deploy There's actually a lot of complex setup uh, that's involved in it. And like that's involved in like migrating jobs from like Hive and Spark to Trino and really getting the maximum performance that people love about Trino. 
I think they did a really good job at explaining how to do that. Um, second was um, with Zillow. Um, one of the feedback that we got that I personally got from a lot of people from the last summit was that we sort of glossed over how to use TreeNope on spots. Like Corey from Blue Cat, he convinced everyone that was a really cool idea. So he got lots of interest in it. But then like when I followed up with people, they're like, yeah, I couldn't replicate what Corey did. Like Corey, like the amazing engineer, but like I have no like step A to step C. And I think that uh, Zillow did a really good job at like explaining just in detail how they got their deployment to work on spot to get just like amazing cost savings at Zillow scale. I think the third talk was um, Comcast Data Fabric, uh, Comcast talk on Data Fabric, Data Mesh. I think uh, a lot of people like like to shit on the idea of Data Mesh, saying like, "Oh, it can't work ever." Um, and what really, what I really appreciate about this talk is that like Saj, like he went into amazing detail about like the different steps that it takes to deploy a Data Mesh, and I think there's lots of learnings there for um, people who want to like actually build a Data Mesh. Because data mesh today is like, it's pretty much like 90% marketing and it's very rare to find a technical talk. And I think Saj's talk is like the really awesome technical talk on how to actually implement it. Yeah, I, I can second that too. I think like a lot of times, um, a lot of times the, the uh, you know, when, when you, when you think about data mesh, people are still seeing it as a bit of a buzzword and, you know, there was a little bit of that initially, but this is to me, data mesh is just like, you know, two things, a cultural shift and a focus on data governance uh, and being able to implement that from a technological standpoint uh, is pretty difficult. Uh, and that uh, being able to essentially let people own their piece of the pie of the kind of data pie, uh, but then, you know, and, and be centralized to a particular uh, uh, kind of uh, platform, but yet still have ownership over their per particular portion of their, like essentially have ownership over their part of the data and doing that. Uh, it's, it's very difficult to see that happening without a query federation engine like Trino. There are others, but I feel like Trino is, is at this kind of pinnacle point, uh, where it, you can centralize a lot of the security and governance capabilities around there. And that's what companies like Comcast are doing. So it's bringing that buzzword into somewhat more of a reality. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm, I, I am intrigued to see, you know, it's, it's, it's cool to see companies like Bloomberg and like Comcast uh, literally putting that into their front, front and center of their talks and how what their strategy is, to, uh, you know, architecture and how they're using Trino to do that. So, yeah, yeah I thought that was very interesting myself. Uh, what about you, Martin? Did you have any particular talk that stood out to you? I mean, I think in general, like seeing how people are adopting some of the newer features in, in Trino is interesting. Like um, some of the people are talking about uh, trying out fault tolerance, the, the fault tolerance features. And we, ha we haven't seen... I mean, we, Sometimes we don't we don't see people talking much about what they are doing with Trino, and it's it's uh, first of all it's good to hear that they are they are getting on the newer version, so we get more more exposure to what's going on. And second, like we we see that what what's going on in all the advancements are actually useful to someone. It's like yeah. <laughs> they don't just exist exist in a vacuum. So um, and then of course, like seeing all the all the big companies using Trino is is also very uh, uh, I know it's 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 very satisfying. Uh, yeah. It's like 
you, you see you see Trino having an impact and uh, uh, to all these teams and all these people, and, and it's it's oh, it's just a, a good feeling. So nice. And Dane, what about you? Is it, was there one, or or did you kind of have like a kind of uh, general take takeaway from uh, some of these talks? Uh, so mostly general takeaways. Um, there's a lot of stories of migrations, migrations yeah. to new formats, how you would actually do those migrations, which is hard and like, it can be done. Um, I think we need to do more in the community with helping people on like their migrations between formats, it, everything from like just guides and I don't know, maybe we can have software to help, but, um, that was a pretty common theme and, I want to get everyone on modern formats. The faster we can get to modern formats, the less we have to support the really terrible old junk. Like yeah. anyone who looks through our code base can see the unbelievable amount of code to deal with just crazy stuff from Hive file formats. Yeah. And the new formats are much more uh, defined and well constrained and that sort of stuff. Um, how so, will we move I'll into that though? Actually, I'm kind of curious. That's just <laughs> total tangent here. But like, will we just slowly deprecate some of these? Like, as as more and more people get into using newer formats, and we we see less uh, use from Hive. Like, how do we how do we walk away from Hive? Because I feel like there will always be someone, right? <laughs> I mean, my guess is it'll be at least ten years or so. Yeah. Um, but uh, hope like it, the the first good news is like doesn't look like anyone's really developing on Hive stuff anymore. Like yeah. in the rest of the larger open source community, yeah. which a big source of the pain is like someone goes along and they add something that's deeply incompatible with everything else before because they don't know, <laughs> and then there's like lots of configuration required. Like are you using the old stuff or using the weird new stuff so hopefully that'll go away and with the new formats uh largely being led by the example of iceberg moving to standards that actually have documents and hopefully one day test suites that go with them um and um things like that it makes it a lot easier to develop against them um i, I think whereas in the old days i was going to say someone could just literally put up a pr and the next day it's in hive and like we live with it forever um and there's quite a few examples of that sorry Marty. yeah no i was gonna say i, I think the important thing is that uh if people like, there'll always be someone that's using uh, that's going to continue to use the, the hive for a, for a for a while but as long as it's not actively being developed we don't need to focus on uh maintaining that like adding all the new features, all the all those compatibility problems that Dane talks about, like someone goes and adds something to Hive and then we have to do active development to keep up with that. So uh, like, I, I, yeah, I, expect it, I expect us to have that in Trino for a while, but we don't have to pay as much attention to, to it as we do today. So nice. yeah. also like as people, um, we, we, I mean, Trino community is pretty famous for its great support. Like we heard that throughout the, the summit. Yeah. Um, lots of people were looking at other things and decided to go with Trino after like showing up and asking a question and either getting an answer or seeing a fix really quick. Yeah. Um, so 
but that takes a lot of effort and supporting things like hive, which have a bunch of weird things um, just takes a ton of effort out of people. So for those who are using hive, if we can have better tools that we're like, you know, these problems go away. If you run this command and you convert your table to iceberg, people will do that. And then like over time, support burden goes down. Yeah. I think yeah, one, one of, clear one oh. clear trend in that I think is also that's interesting is that the reliance on the Hive Meta Store is more and more going away, yeah. and in many cases mm -hmm. that's just a complexity and management beast and and just a burden on performance. So all of these new formats reduce that overhead, and I think that's a really good thing. Yeah. Speaking of standards, like that you were talking about there, Dane, like one of those catalogs that that Iceberg is actually pushing out now is that REST catalog which is a kind of, it, it, to me, it seems more like it's essentially a front end to any potential catalog, right? It's just like a kind of standardized set of REST, REST calls. And you can put Hive Metastore behind that. You could put, you know, any other kind of pluggable Metastore behind that. So, and that will essentially be your gateway to whatever Metastore you decide to use uh, as you kind of move forward. Maybe initially it is Hive Metastore, but then you can move away from that. That's my uh, at least understanding. I think from it's the... a much more complex subject than that. Oh. So when people, the, the, the story of Iceberg and Delta and Hoodie is not a story of like, I have all my data in Iceberg. Hmm. It's a story of migration. Like if you're blessed with, I don't have a data warehouse and I'm setting one up, like, boom, you can start with the most modern, awesome stuff but pretty much everyone has a warehouse and it's, you know, it's unlikely to be 100% iceberg. Uh, and like even the biggest iceberg proponents out there are still migrating data. Like there've been companies yeah. migrating data for two years now. Like I think Netflix is still migrating tables because it's a really big project and they have a lot of data. Um, so the idea that you're going to like, replace the Hive Metastore, which is super complicated in its interface with this REST interface, which is awesome because it's super simple in its design. It can't service the old Hive tables. And then mm -hmm. now you would have two things and do they agree with each other? And how do I do migration? So you end up this like really complicated story. Also to the best of my knowledge, there are no implementations of this interface in open source. Um, and without that, like, um, you know, it's like old specs without implementations, they don't, and test suites, they don't really mean much. That's what made Java awesome. Java came out with specs and implementations and test suites to verify new implementations. And with that, like you can bring up a new thing, write a new version and be like, this is compatible with these other versions and follow the spec. Um, Right now, it's kind of like writing blind, or you're effectively writing to like one implementation. Got it. So it still makes Java yeah. awesome now, right? It didn't just made it; mm -hmm. it still makes oh, yeah. it like constantly, like all the stuff. Like I thought, it was very interesting uh, to hear how we successfully migrated to Java 17 this last year, mm -hmm. and there wasn't any much of a negative impact at all. So we just got all the benefits really. And the code base is being able to get cleaner and cleaner and stuff like that. So I thought that was really good to not hear any complainers basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Java 8 but, to Java 11 was a bigger jump, I think. <laughs> uh, my comments aren't like exclusive to like the REST Metastore. I have similar 
questions about like Delta stuff. Like if there aren't like test suites and verifications, like how do we know we're doing stuff correctly? Um, And both these communities are obviously aware of this. They have lots of people, but these aren't the things that turn around in one night. So I am hoping that we see more, like there's good momentum now from those folks. Um, I would talk about hoodie, but I actually don't know very much about it. So (laughs) it's not, it's not, they're not doing it or they are doing it. I have no idea, by the way. Yeah, we talked about them on the on the last episode a little bit, and and uh, in terms of like they they do a lot of custom like uh, um, uh, their their own custom kind of meta store uh, additions on top of Hive. Uh, it doesn't look like they're trying to move necessarily away from Hive meta store. They're just trying to kind of uh, augment it uh, and and just use what's there. So so Cole, you uh, have been in the background today quite a bit, and you've also been awesomely in the background uh, doing lots of very useful and great work on the like control, the speaker checks, and all sorts of stuff at the summit. So what is some of your more technical t- takeaways apart from that you did really great? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it was when Dane was talking about support, I wanted to chime in with, I thought the most interesting talk to me, just from a pure audience perspective was we had Mark uh, from Topify come in yeah. and talk about the hive to iceberg migration with Trino connectors. And the, the highlight of that story to me was running into issues because the iceberg connector was so new while this migration was happening and those issues being fixed like days after they were encountered every time where Mark would find something wrong and they'd be like, oh no, like the Trino iceberg connector doesn't handle this right. And a day later, a pull request would get merged solving that problem and then they'd be off and running again. Um, I just thought that was awesome hearing that like Trino developers were able to just progress at the rate that users were trying to utilize that connector was really cool. The funny and, part about it is it wasn't intentional. One no, it, it, there was no communication. <laughs> like yeah. by pure stroke of luck, it was like every time there was a problem, that problem was fixed. Yeah. Um, I mean, other people probably were running into these problems. Well, work. I think the first one he asked for, the second one was just like, uh, I think Piotr or somebody who was fixing something had to like found that as an unrelated bug. Like, oh, this is a bug. Let me fix that while I'm here. And then it just like, they came back and they're like, wait, this is fixed now. <laughs> so yeah, the the story of um uh, of that code base and like how many people are using it and how quickly they're able to like find bugs. It's like you show up, and you're like, oh, I have a bug report, and someone's like, oh yeah, we found that yesterday, and we're reporting it. Like that just shows you like how great that that uh, group is working on that stuff. It's like it's really impressive. So. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot of fast turnaround in the lake house side. So the other uh, takeaway is this is a question I want to ask is I remember during that talk, there was a little bit of an argument in the chat as to (laughs) whether or not the performance improvements came from going from like hive G zip nonsense to parquet or from going from hive to iceberg and where the performance gains were, were truly hiding in there whether you could credit the migration or credit the using a better file format. Um, and, and I don't the know. The answer must 
proper answers must start with it depends it depends <laughs> and both right <laughs> yeah uh, yeah so so between hive and iceberg like if you use the same formats same, same file format same compression the difference are going to be based on partitioning like that's the only uh, the only uh lever you have in terms of uh of scanning less data or anything like that so how are you depending on your data how you're organizing it um Depending yeah, yeah. on the size of the table, um, it comes down to an it depends. So if the table's small, uh, you don't have tons of data you're scanning, you're trading off the cost of doing file listings in your file system yeah. versus reading the metadata files um, and how fast your meta store is to get stats out because, again, those come directly out of the metadata files. Yeah. So it's a really mixed bag. There's people who they show up and they're doing very small table scans and icebergs a huge performance boost because they're on like some terrible hive meta store on a bad file system. And there's people who show up and they're like, Oh, this is more expensive. Cause like everything's like cached in memory in those systems. Um, so. I think one thing that we've seen too, is that with uh, these modern table formats, uh, the performance gains aren't necessarily from the format itself but that they let you change your workflow in a way that you just don't have to touch as much data. And that can really, you know, it, it, like the apples to apples comparison is it's the same, but the secret is we don't have to compare apples to apples. I'm, I'm stretching the analogy here a little bit, <laughs> but, but you can get to the point where you can write your whole workflow so that the engine doesn't have to do as much work. So you're going to use less CPU, you're going to use less memory, it's going to cost you less and the query completes faster. So, yeah, no, nothing's better than better query plans. <laughs> like, yeah, better algorithms, uh, less work. Yeah, on, on the slightly less technical side, partially, like, I've also noticed the incredible diversity of use cases and users. Uh, if you think about like the early days when Trino was you know, presto, people were using it for real world use cases. And it was there if you were pretty clever and, and knew how to use it right. Mm. Uh, so we still have these, these groups of users who are using Trino, but, you know, are writing code for it too. And then we have this whole group of people who are using Trino, not directly, and they're not contributing code, but they're using, for instance, set, and they're getting value out of it. And from a different perspective, right? They they want all this functionality of Trino and they just don't want to deal with it and they want to pay somebody else to do it. And now we're seeing more and more people uh, who are using Galaxy where in some cases they get a little less functionality, but it's so much easier, right? It's lower the barrier to entry that, you know, for instance, uh, I'm going to come back to Monica's presentation. You can build this federated uh, uh, query system that, that combines information from all over the place and it's pretty simple, right? Like it yeah. opens it up to everyone. And that simplicity just, you know, gives this power to the whole world. And then we see them all come together at, at Trino because everybody realizes that whether you're in Galaxy or Set, the core is in Trino and that's where really the bulk of the action is happening. Yeah. So that, that's really exciting to see. And I think about it too, the way I see it too, sometimes it's like the, like lowering the the barrier to entry in every possible form that we can do it, like particularly also in, in open source as well. Right. Because that's like, 
that's everybody's a lot or not everybody's, but a lot of people's first impression is really around the open source. And, you know, up until the last couple of years, uh, it's really been a lot of, uh, if you're in the big data club, you can join, but now, like now we're kind of trending more in the direction of, well, you don't have to necessarily be in the big data club to actually be up and running with, with, uh, with Trino. You can, if you, especially now we're moving into kind of uh, different ways to deploy it. Obviously there's Docker Compose to play around, but we've also moved into like, you know, kind of, if you know how to use Kubernetes at the very least, and which is becoming a much more you know, much more common denominator than, than it used to be. Um, if you're able to, or you have people at your company who know how to deploy Kubernetes Helm applications, well, now you can do that in open source as well. If you're, you know, if essentially, if you're not able to, uh, like start out with galaxy or something like that. Uh, I remember one of like, in my own personal experience was like, my company was not willing to touch vendors with a 500 foot pole because we had just gotten out of a Hortonworks contract. And so we were just, they were just like, no, we're not even considering Starburst at all. And so, um, so like I had to go full on to prove, to like to prove it out, I had to use Trino. Right. And so you find people that are in all these types of weird political situations and open source is the only way forward. And so like having that be easy is just as critical as like having, you know, these other super easy version, like even easier versions, which is like the galaxy side. And when it comes to more production level use cases as well. So I think there's a, I mean, there was, there was a theme running through the conference. So there was Starburst with galaxy, which is a SAS hosted Trino platform. Uh, but then there were other, a couple of other talks where companies had built stuff that was a, inside their company was effectively a SaaS hosted thing where it's like, I can spin up a cluster for my team. It works like this. Here are the data sets available. Um, I can't remember. Unfortunately, all the talks have blended together. It's kind of what happens when you watch like several hours of these in a row, but there were quite a few of these and they were like really impressive. And it shows that like with Trino and the community knowledge and the things like Kubernetes and these other tools, like if I, I would say if you're a big player, like you have a lot of like people to build one of these platforms, it's not easy. It can be done and you can build one that's really custom tuned to your company. Yeah. I think yeah, the other like, thing that you want to keep in mind there, and I think that was a theme that emerged for me as well, is like you were saying, there's these platforms, but what pulls those platforms together is that Trino offers that SQL standard interface and that's getting more and more powerful, right? Like the merge support and match recognize all those things and the users of all these different platforms, be that an internal one at Comcast or at, um, at like Bloomberg and others or treasure data where people don't even know what's under the hood. The SQL uh, pulls it all together. It's our SQL anti-SQL dialect from Trino. And then the other thing that's also emerged, it's crazy how many different tools are being used like DBT and like mode and like some other tools I never heard of, all of them connecting using that standard SQL and querying. And that was, I think, it's a, it's a great unifier and being able to like go to Athena or treasure data or whatever and yeah. use those same tools and also transfer your SQL knowledge between them. That's awesome. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just right. improves the community experience too, because no matter where you are, like 
you're you're essentially going to have approximately the same experience uh where you start wherever you start off i should say so you're not like having to do all this future planning on day one you can literally just play with it in athena you can play with it on your laptop you can play with it you know in galaxy and like wherever you are is just kind of going to there's there's much lower barriers to migrating and trying things out I, I think another theme that was running through that was Trino is actually a really easy piece of software to run. Mm-hmm. It's a distributed piece of software, which historically are extremely hard to run. But like when you look at these, like, you know, medium and large organizations and they're running several of these and they're building custom routers to do it. Like they, what that shows is like, if you look at the old days when people tried to run like hive and like, you pretty much had to buy it from Hortonworks or Cloudera. That stuff was yeah. insanely complicated to set up. Yep. Um, and like, you were happy to get one of them going. Yeah. You go to these environments and you're like, oh, I'm just going to run like four of these. They're special purpose. They're tuned. They might be in different regions. It's no big deal. We'll write a custom router. And like, you know, instead of spending your team of 20, 20 people managing your Hortonworks setup, you have a couple of people building like, custom stuff around trino it's really it's really kind of awesome yeah i also just want to give a shout out to brian's like trino getting started repository um a bit of a bit embarrassing for me to admit in front of everyone (laughs) i was never able to set up trino with like all the different connectors that there were like there are some connectors that were just like really hard to deploy and like like brian's like github repository like bits on data dev trino getting started like it, it just helps you deploy like Trino with the whole like modern data stack ecosystem all in one go. It's it's really awesome for those who haven't checked it out yet. Yeah, we're we're hoping to further modernize that by the way. And one of those efforts that we're trying to do to kind of make the landing a lot smoother getting into Trino is migrating that Docker Compose setups that we have now and moving it into a Trino owned, uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, moving it into a, uh, a Trino owned, um, kind of, uh, Kubernetes helm deployments because Docker Compose is great for playing around on your local laptop. And then occasionally maybe doing something a little bit bigger that you could like, you know, trial, but it's not really great for production level, like orchestration. And so now that we're getting to a point where we're starting to bring up, like we have uh, the Helm documentation now, and we're going to start building a lot more resources on that. Like the next phase of, of these getting started repos are going to be more focused on, on Helm. And that way you can run it on your local laptop. You can run it on, you know, another thing kind of like you could with Compose. But then when push comes to shove and you ultimately have to make this like a production grade thing, you, you're still using the exact same thing that you did day one. Um, right. And you're just adding on to that and building onto it. And so that's that's the big game changer in, in terms of how to get a like full functional deployment. And I think that gets a lot of people excited. Uh, it gets me excited because I think of all the you know people that are str- were struggling with it before. And now this is going to be like a 
practically a button push and you just maybe have to fiddle around with kubernetes uh, but i know i know uh manfred doesn't like people saying button push <laughs> it's not the truth but uh, easy button. <laughs> but but it is a couple commands that you'll run in kubernetes and it's relatively simple to play around with and and get started in that's what me cole and manfred are going to be showing you more of is how to make it as as straightforward and simple as possible for day one and then uh, everybody else handles the days after one because <laughs> <laughs> that's hard. Anyways, cool. Um, so on, so on, on the summit, obviously there were all these public sessions and we ended up with, you know, an evening up on the deck with Commander Banban taking photos with everything. And then on Friday, we had a bit more of an in-depth event where we met in Palo Alto with some of those like heavily involved contributors from various companies. What were some of the takeaways you had from that event, Martin or Dane, maybe? Um, let me see. But we had a bunch of discussions on different topics. Uh, there were there was some one discussion was about how how we do better testing and and performance testing and function functionality testing for Trino and how can we get organizations to to help more with that because everyone has different workloads. Uh, Trino is, is a very complex piece with lots, lots and lots of moving parts. So, uh, getting better coverage uh, for for functional testing is is going to be important. So, we talked about how different organizations might be able to get engaged in the process by uh, trying out versions as they come out, or 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 be able to test the current master version. Uh, and, it's not and share the results with each sure. other. Yeah. Like that, that's a big thing is like, there are lots of companies doing it, but then there might be overlap or not. And like trying to come up with a way where these different groups can coordinate with each other and like, you know, leverage each other's experience with it. So it's not uh, everyone doing it for themselves, which is expensive. Right. Yeah. yeah and, the, and the same thing for performance testing. Uh, we, I mean, we at Starbucks do some testing, some other organizations do their own internal testing, but sometimes that's uh, of uh, testing of old, older versions and we only find problems uh, until much later because people don't see them until they upgrade to the latest version, which sometimes happens a few months after version gets released. So coming up with ways for uh, different teams and companies to to run their own benchmarks, report results, and and facilitate uh, developers going and debugging those problems and and fixing them. So that, uh, that's going to be huge too, as we can like figure out ways to report on those. Because ultimately, when people are one of our biggest things I hear from people in the community is like when we upgrade, we don't know what to expect all the time, you know. And that's like, well, it's hard kind of problem to put your finger on because everybody has a very different setup uh and everybody's also you know running very different workloads and so uh you don't know until you know with a lot of these things and uh and so having that mass reporting you know there's got to be some my hope is that at least you know like 40 percent of the times that we have issues that there's some overlap with other people and that we catch some catch it from somebody else before it becomes just a mass problem across the board. Yeah, I was I was actually very encouraged by 
Starburst upgrading Starburst Galaxy to the latest Twin version all the time. I think that's super helpful. Yeah. And it was really good to hear that Apple is doing the same with the internal yep. stuff and also that Amazon is planning towards that more and more. So the yeah. more people, like I know others we had at that congregation, they were like a year or more behind and then yeah. they feel a lot of pain. I think ultimately all of us moving more and more to the like upgrade as often as possible, make it just a, like, that's just what you do every week sort of thing. Um, yeah. will help us. And then um, a general shout out would be, and if you find issues, you need to let us know, like yeah. file a bug, like ping us on Slack, right? Like it's one thing to find an issue and go, dang, now we have to patch our own internal version. Yeah, do that. But like, that's not good enough. You need to let us know so you don't have to maintain that batch next time, right? So. And what's even better is if there's a standard way that we report these things, I feel like it'll be a faster turnaround in terms of understanding the... the yeah, but like, you cost. know, GitHub issues is kind of a standard way. Just I mean, it's, oh, yeah. I, I, I think it's more than just reporting. I think um, part of the discussion was how do we share our workloads? Yeah. So this isn't mm -hmm. like go and give all my internal data. It's, uh, it's how do I have build representations of my data, but more importantly, like the queries you're running over them. Like, yeah. you know, if you look at standard, uh, SQL benchmarks, so like every vendor compares each other on the same benchmarks and those benchmarks, for example, don't have geospatial functions in them. So if you're a company and geospatial is really important to you, guess what isn't performance tested by pretty much anyone. Uh, unless you show up and say, here's a geo data set. Here's the weather sat data for the past six months. Here's some standard queries. Let's measure the performance and make sure we're not regressing on these. Yep. And so there was a bunch of discussions around like how to get, um, once we get the basic performance stuff into the community, how people can start expanding it. Um, so and I, I obviously will be back here to encourage people to start bringing in more data sets and more testing. Um, Cause it's, it's frankly one of the really big things missing from the, the SQL community in general, I think is yeah. like, we have like, because all the databases are so different, we have like really dumbed down data sets and dumbed down like uh, tests. Like TCPDS is a major step forward in testing because it includes, uh, sorry, it, 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 it includes like window functions and stuff like that. And oh my gosh, nulls, TCPH, not a single null in the entire data set. Like what universe is this? <laughs> and like, you know, uh, no, like, I, I don't even know if they have arrays in, in TCPDS, no arrays, no maps, <laughs> like common things like, everyone's using in the modern world completely uncovered by performance suites but yes tcp sorry i have dyslexia so you know no i'm commenting on the on the on the message i got posted there was a typo there oh. <laughs> transaction yeah. processing yeah, yeah, council i typed too fast sorry that bad me <laughs> yeah. yeah i think it's yeah. it's a it's a tricky question that we we keep hearing about which is People want these test suites to be, you know, applicable to exactly their data, ideally, right? They want it close enough so that they're like, oh, yeah, you know, if I see a 20% performance improvement, I can expect that. At the same time, very few people want the public benchmark run on their data, right? Because it's private. And so there's this struggle to find things that are representative 
without actually being it. Um, it's it's uh, we're, we're looking yeah. to try to solve this all over the place, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, but like you know, like, there's a lot of open data sets, right? Like yeah, I mean, but, I mean, benchmarking. If you want to know, like, are you going to be able to benefit from from an improvement? You have to run on your own workloads. That's that's a well understood principle. Like you can't rely on on the public benchmarks. Uh, but what what we're, what we're talking about was mostly like how do we ensure that we're not introducing regressions for the everything that Trino can already do. Uh, if there is a regression, how do we debug it? How do we troubleshoot it? Like up until now, like if someone comes and says, oh, I run this on my data set, on my workload, and the query got slower. And it's like, well, how do we even start looking at that? We don't even know what the query is doing. We don't even know what features are being used. What are you formats... talking about my favorite, favorite feature that's coming up, Martin? Uh, which one? The tracing. <laughs> Uh, that's one aspect of it. It's not, not the, 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 the... No, but for example, so one, one of the things we added recently is the ability to anonymize the query plan of a query. You can do explain uh, with um, uh, a flag that uh, anonymizes all the names. So if you have sensitive names, column names, table names, they all, and, and, and constants in your plan, they all get, uh, get uh, masked out or, or uh, yeah, they get renamed to something that, that doesn't mean anything. And just having that, having a, a, an idea of the shape of the query can be a big, uh, a big um, simplifier to being able to go and figure out, okay, the issue may be around this area or that area, or you're, you're relying on this feature and, and yeah, we touched something there that might be affected. Um, right now it's hard, hard, hard to, hard to ask people questions when they don't know what they need to uh, provide or what can they provide as information. So. I, I think part of the meta conversation we were having is lots of people want to help. They just don't know how. And so I think it's part of the community. Part of the conversation was like, how do we set up an environment where everyone can help each other out with this problem? Cause it's a common problem. Um, and I'm hoping we'll see some good movement on this over the next, you know, year. I mean, it's open source. Never, nothing moves super fast. Yeah. <laughs> Just a question, like that. I, I feel that like people on this broadcast will be wondering uh, if people encounter an issue, like where should they go to re a performance like degradation? Like where should they go to report it? GitHub, GitHub, Slack. Like, yeah. and what if it's a, a bug, like, file an issue. If it's a conversation, the Trino Slack. Yeah. Yep. If you're if you're unsure if it's a bug, start asking people about it and showing like what you're you found. But uh, if you're sure it's a bug, just file the issue and then put it post it in the dev channel. Uh, also, be prepared to do some investigations of your own. So we, we commonly see people show up and say, hey, I have this thing. It's slow. And the question is, well, what was your system doing at the time? Yeah. And like you're going to need some basic like ability to debug systems and look at stats and dump threads and things like that. Um, so uh, I think this uh, takes us to another topic. Um, uh, and so then was saying that we, we see a lot more people want to get involved in the project and, and, and help. Uh, one of the things that we heard in the, in the congregation was that people wanted to get involved in, in developing and not just testing and, and troubleshooting, but also developing. 
they wanted to uh, add features. Uh, maybe they have they have requirements of their companies, and they want to add a feature that satisfies what they need, or they want to just in general improve improve what Trino is doing, the engine, the optimizer, the planner, the connectors. And sometimes, I mean, Trino is a complex project. It's been around for 10 years. Uh, it has evolved in a bunch of different ways. Some things are not pretty <laughs> inside the code base. And, and, and sometimes it's hard for people to get into the code base and understand why things are done a certain way, why, why things have a certain shape. And of course, like, th there are some resources. There's a paper. We have a book. Uh, there's I know, discussions. If you, if you go through all the Slack discussions where you can get some context, but there's no single place for that. So one of the things we're talking about is starting a, a set of sessions where people can come and ask questions about specific areas and we can dive deep into those. So uh, start 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 helping people build context and understand how things work, why they work a certain way, and then uh, basically educate them on, on on the internal so they can become effective at, at contributing. Yeah, we're starting that off to some degree with the virtual contributor congregation for uh, known contributors and committers uh, that we do on the 7th of December. If anyone is interested, please uh, ping call myself or Brian on Slack and we can add you. We'll send out the details to all the invitees soon. But as a follow-up, we will organize those kind of sessions and also make sure we'll record them and expose them to others that can watch them at a separate time slot later and that kind of stuff. So it's very it's exciting to really, be honest. It's really important that you show up and ask your questions. So one of the the common requests from like myself and Martine and some of the other people who've been around a long time is like, you know, Oh, tell us about how Trino works. It's like Trino's massive. Like I could probably write half a book on just how the function system alone works, but I'm guessing most people don't want that. So it's like, we don't know what sort of questions and information is going to be the most helpful. And that's where having people show up and be involved in those conversations will help us figure out what the common cases uh, where people want to get information and then we can build more materials around that. So we don't have a good sense for what you want to know. <laughs> yeah. I think another thing uh, we, we, that uh, we're still kind of debating around it too, is like uh, one, one way we could kind of approach this is finding these um, uh, kind of, pull requests or, or that have been merged already. Uh, this came up during the contributor congregation and like uh, basically look at uh, look at it like a kind of either doing like a postmortem on like a sprint or something like that, where you kind of take a step back and said, okay, what could we have done better during this pull request? And, and then uh, also simultaneously like explaining the aspects that, that were touched in this pull request um, just to kind of give a general sense to anybody who wants to do a review and wants to start getting involved in code reviews and things like that. Um, you know, what, what, what things that the maintainers are looking at, uh, and, and simultaneously as we're discussing that particular, you know, code piece, 
what's you know what what actually went on in this in this particular merge that made it so difficult because you kind of it's it's always uh you know as everything in engineering it depends uh depends on what what part you're touching and and kind of how that affects other pieces in the code and it's never you know it's not always clear as to like what's going to be pulling something back or not and i'm hoping that if we do some sessions around this like where we kind of get this maybe develop some sort of a public intuition as to, you know, when you're submitting a pull request, a new pull request, you'll have some of those ideas floating around uh, in your head as you're, you're, you're uh, um, developing for Trino. So these are all various ideas that we're tri trialing and it's going to be a trial by fire and seeing what works and what doesn't. <laughs> but uh, hopefully, uh, you know, interact, let us know kind of, uh, you know, it's your engagement and your kind of feedback that's going to really help us understand what's working and how we as a community can move forward in making like the development process uh, easier and and uh, make make a lot more sense. So, okay. Manfred, you're on the mute. <laughs> Talking about development, just um, to round it out, maybe didn't we just ship from releases as well? Yes, yes, we did forget to do releases. Cool, can you? Yeah, Manfred, you you were you were so eager to get into technical discussion. <laughs> Sorry, Let's just start man. talking about it. I kind of sat here, was like, ah, we'll get to releases later. Or Manfred's like, I'm so podcast. bored with Pokemon's. <laughs> <laughs> we can go back to Pokemon. The new games come out today, so <laughs> that's, that's a different podcast. <laughs> Okay, do we do we want to recap what's happened in the two releases since the last broadcast real quick? Yeah. yeah. Well, do you want to uh, – can you share your screen or or do you have a screen to share right now? I do not or have a screen just... to share. I'm just going to be reading off of what Sounds Martin good. posted in the Trino Slack. So. Okay. We'll It'll go be with that. Notes as well. So, Martin, Martin qualified to talk about this even more so than I am. But uh, So, we've only had two releases since the last community broadcast. Uh, one of those is kind of a double release. We didn't release last week while the summit was happening. So we released yesterday and that had about two weeks of work in it. So 403 was a slightly bigger release than normal. Um, but starting with 402, uh, we added support for column comments in Hive and Iceberg views. Um, the war to make sure everything can be commented on, wages on. Uh, mm -hmm. We added support for predicate pushdown on temporal types in MongoDB. Uh, and then there are faster arithmetic operations, faster ORs, and faster null ifs uh, in the SQL Server connector, among many other things that you're going to need to go check the release notes to find out. Uh, and then in 403, uh, delete is faster in MongoDB. Uh, aggregations are faster when there are no nulls. Uh, data transfer is faster when fault-tolerant execution is enabled um, through some performance to how the encryption is handled. That was actually a really cool pull request to look through. Um, show schemas is faster than BigQuery and expired snapshots is faster, more performant, and uses less storage in Iceberg. So lots of connector-specific improvements, but also some core engine improvements as well. Yeah, and it's good to one. see that more connectors getting the support for full torrent execution as well. Uh, just one, one minor correction, uh, Cole. Delete was implemented in, in MongoDB. Oh, it's no. support. For, why did yeah. I say it was? Did I say delete got better? You said you got faster. I mean, well, it you got, you got infinitely it, faster, I guess. It's not yeah. It's so fast that it actually deletes it now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My bad. I uh, I was zooming through and just misspoke. But, cool. There's still people just waiting for delete to 
complete now. Yeah, the, pe <laughs> the, the people are like, it's, it's so slow. I write the lead. It just, it just takes so long. It doesn't do anything. <laughs> That'd be hilarious as a default implementation, just like sleep. <laughs> eventually, eventually the universe will end and your data will be deleted. Yeah, <laughs> Isn't there some the sorting problem? algorithm that the joke is that you just put it to sleep forever and eventually with the heat death of the universe, everything will be uh, uniform and therefore sorted? <laughs> you, you, you wait for cosmic rays to randomly sort it for you. Yeah, that also works. <laughs> <laughs> All right um cool well is there anything we're we're missing here on the on the um or actually what do, do we want to drive in more to releases actually before we we start winding down no i think we covered everything okay there's always more and if you if you're curious go check the release notes yes. i work hard on them they are <laughs> they are my my pride oh <laughs> I do know one last thing I kind of wanted to make sure, like remind people that we're doing is uh, the, uh, Manfred, Cole, and myself um, are going back through the backlogs right now. Uh, and we are basically just either, you know, kind of we're, we're reviewing a lot of the, the old PRs that have become stale. And moving forward, uh, we are really going to be kind of like paying attention, very close attention to uh, newer PRs that are coming in and basically track the activity on those. Uh, it's been in the past that the, some, you know, PRs do fall through and it's never intentional. Usually it's uh, sometimes uh, can be anything from like bad news that we have to give that, oh, we don't maybe like your implementation and nobody wants to give bad news. Uh, so nobody, nobody replies on it. Or it could be something on the lines of like, well, we, we need, we want to work on this, but there's a lot to look at here. Sometimes, you know, pull requesting to get broken down. And so sometimes it just like, I, I've, I've, we, as we've reviewed these, we've seen a couple of these trends fall through of things we've seen. And ultimately, uh, the, the biggest thing that we're trying to improve now is improving communication uh, across the board for, for all of these things. And that means if you do have something that doesn't necessarily jive with how we're going to do things in Trino uh, and, and we get a pretty re resounding, you know, communication from maintainers oh we're not going to move in this direction or we need to move in a separate direction but on the same lines like it's all about getting that that communication back to any of you who are looking to contribute and give you the respect of like the fact that you did take time to actually learn about trino and and, and develop this and we don't want to like lose your uh, you know the opportunity to have you working on the project with us um and i hope that that hasn't happened in the past but if you have had an experience like that you know we we're trying to kind of fix that moving forward and make sure that we're growing out our contributor base and really taking in mind of everything that uh, you all are doing um, one other thing I would like to say on things that we've reviewed in the past is that make sure if you're trying to design something big to reach out first and talk about it, do not just design it yourself and you're, you know, without talking to anybody that knows Trino very well um, and come out with this giant PR that has all of your implementation. Like it's cool to see that, that kind of enthusiasm, but there's going to be likely a lot of things that we won't be able to implement. I think that that will avoid a lot of the, 
you know, being upset that, wow, I put in all this time and effort and now I can't get this merged. Uh, make sure that you reach out to somebody and talk about your design. Let's verify that it's uh, a, some, an implementation that people want in the community uh, and it's not an anti-pattern of some sort. So uh, that's, that's generally are, what we said. Yeah. That, that's generally true of any contribution and that's not for just like new people are just showing up. Like the maintainers are always talking to each other. The yeah. contributors are talking to each other um, to figure out like, did someone already do this or like, you know, honestly, sometimes it's like, yeah, you know what? There's actually this like thing over here that if you just change these three lines of code, it just fixes your whole thing. And so yeah. like conversations go a really, really long way. Yeah. Um, and yeah. we're all around on Slack too. Have exactly those. Yeah. So. yeah. So don't feel like, you know, biggest important thing is like, don't feel uh, kind of, I, I remember feeling always really super concerned, like going into an open source community where I don't know anybody. Uh, we want to make sure that that's not the case. And that's, you know, uh, we're, we're going to be starting up like a, a tag and try to make this very clear about like, the development process, the first thing is to like reach out to somebody and probably that will be me and Manfred and Cole, but uh, you know, for starters and we can route you to the right people to talk to for different cases. So, so yeah, so that's, that's one more thing that's been weighing on my head that uh, through conversations at Trino summit, as well as just on Slack in general, uh, we've had a lot of those, those scenarios come up and we want to make that whole process a lot smoother and, not have people weep when <laughs> we don't merge their code. <laughs> and then, of course, to to meet people, you have to come to the next Trino Summit that we yes. promise we will organize. We just don't know yet when. We don't know yet where, but we do know that we're going to do another Trino Summit. So I'm absolutely pushing for sure Chicago. Yeah, we're arguing a lot about what. where. It's it's already a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but there's different people that want different people. Yeah, I mean, I don't have any control over it. I'm just like... When I say we're arguing, I mean like Brian and I are arguing, and we're not going to. So, <laughs> we're, what we'll do is uh, probably get a poll going on to see if uh, you know get a nice sense of where people are at, and uh, we're not going to do San Fran because we just did that. <laughs> but anywhere but San Francisco is is on the table. So uh, we'll put out a poll here shortly of a couple cities that we're thinking about and see what you all say. So. I'll just move it to San Jose. <laughs> That's okay. where you are. So. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely put New right. York on there. But anyways, yeah. okay. Well, if anybody doesn't have any last minute uh, remarks, shall we sign off? Thank you right. for joining us. Yep. Thanks everyone for joining us. We'll see you in uh, December. Music for the show is from the Mega Man 6 gameplay album by Shishtof Swabikowski. Don't forget to give us a star on the Trino repository at github.com forward slash TrinoDB forward slash Trino. And for more information on future shows and to find show notes, check out trino.io forward slash broadcast.